0: Welcome to the Trilogy of Terror podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Trilogy of Terror podcast. I'm Gore Blimey. How have you been? And what have you been up to? Uh, me I've not long come back from a trip to Edinburgh in Scotland where I met up with Andy Roberts from the brilliant Nasty Pasty podcast and the always wonderful Amanda Reyes from Made for TV Mayhem and as if the trip couldn't get any better than that Edinburgh it turns out is beautiful with so much history and old buildings and I had lots of fun being taken up the Royal Mile. Of course when in Rome and all that, I experienced local culture while I was there too. Haggis, deep-fried black pudding, deep-fried white pudding, deep-fried pizza, deep-fried Mars bars, just as well I did a lot of walking up hills and cobbled streets at my poor feet. No wonder I woke up swollen and stiff every morning. Anyway, this episode brings you the second half of my discussion with the lovely Boz from The Little Pod of Horrors, where he and I will be talking about the other 10 movies we saw at the Celluloid Screams Horror Film Festival this year. But before we get stuck into that, here are a couple of promos for podcasts that I subscribe to, and I recommend you check out too. (laughs)
0: Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. (laughs) (laughs) The truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. (laughs) That's gotta go. (laughs) That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard, who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right, we have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north, Simon lives across the world, Richard lives in Penis, Alabama hello this is the doom show is a proud member of the legion podcast network check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com you can check out more hello this is the doom show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com check for our amazon exclusive hello this is the doom show cookbook do you like hot dogs (laughs) we got them do you like mac and cheese we got it do you like cheddar we have it Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. Clytus, I'm
1: bored. What plaything can you offer me today?
2: An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the
1: planet Earth. How peaceful it looks.
2: Most effective, your majesty We'll destroy this
0: earth Destroy it utterly Send Rick and Danny in Wool Rocket Ajax So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming Elming, Wait You see those transmissions on the visual screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? I've seen those things Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction Yeah, and watch some movies And talk about them The Helming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At WW... You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you Hell Helming. Breaking 2? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash dance? <laughs> we might destroy the planet if we flash dance.
2: Hi, I'm Steve Pemberton, and I'm Richie Smith, and this is the Trilogy of Terror
1: podcast, a local podcast for local people. Next up, Wolfman's Got Nud. So, we're looking at a completely different kettle of fish now, which is basically is a documentary and it's about the film from the 80s called The Monster Squad, um, which was directed by a chap called Andre Gower. He did the, the documentary, I mean. And he actually played the little boy, Sean, the lead character in Monster Squad. And he was there to introduce the film along with the producer of this documentary. And they did a Q and a afterwards. And i got to say, he came across as quite a nice bloke, actually, because he stayed around for the whole festival. And he was constantly milling around, chatting to people through it. So I was quite impressed with that. I think you're like me. You hadn't seen the original film before. That- I'd probably get lynched for that. I've never seen Monster Squad. No, I believe me, the same thing went through my head as well because I thought this is one of those big films that, you know, people's growing up, you know, they love this and the goonies mm. and, you know, and there's a selection of films that are like must-see films for horror fans and I hadn't seen it either. So had you seen it by the time you'd got to... No. And, and me and my wife, my wife hasn't seen it either, so we skipped out on this oh, movie right. so we could get a long
2: break and something to eat. But I yeah. don't want to, I, I've heard such good things about Wolfman's Got Nards that I don't want to watch it out of context. So I have to see Monster Squad first yeah. Yeah. and then see this documentary, and I absolutely intend to do that. So that's my plan,
1: basically. I was the same thing. I, I'd i never seen it before. I managed to get hold of a copy of it. It's not as easy as you think to get hold of over here. I managed to get hold of a Region 1 DVD of it. Um, okay had a look through, it was like the night before leaving for the festival. So uh, last a minute, just for, just for okay. once. Yeah. And, um, so I, it was fine. It was enjoyable enough. It's, you know, very much a, sort of a fun monster thing aimed at teenagers. It was good, hmm. you know, so at least I'd seen it. So I had a bit of an idea what he was talking about and who the people were. And, um, uh, yeah, like you, I don't know why I hadn't seen it before, actually, because I, I think if I'd have seen that as a a younger younger person, I would have loved it. But the documentary itself has it's got loads of interviews with people, um, not only from the film. So you've got like Fred Decker, who was actually the, the guy in charge of the film and everything, but you've got other horror people as well. There's a long list of surprising faces connected with the horror film industry that are there giving their, their thoughts and everything. And mm. one of the things I really liked as well is that they divided the film up into sort of chapters different subjects you know connected with it and each time they used like um a title screen and they used fan art you know art by fans for it yeah it was really good i was really impressed there was some really good stuff so they used that so it was a really nice thing of bringing the fans into it as well and it was just full of lots of interesting trivia as well i mean i won't give away loads of it. But I mean, I liked things like, um they, they were saying that the original film was inspired by stuff like Abbott and Costello meets, you know, the Wolfman or the, you know, those sort of films. Mm. And some of it was actually shot without telling the kids what was going to happen <laughs> so that they'd <laughs> nice. get a, a genuine reaction from them and stuff. Um When it was originally released, it bombed. And um, they they were saying like some of the actors didn't want people to know that they were in it and things like that. And Fred Decker oh, wow. himself didn't have any idea that people really liked the movie until about 2006 or something. And I think they put it down to popularity through uh, things like cable TV and uh, just word of mouth and stuff, mm. you know, that really created the buzz because there's quite a big... There's a big love for it now. (laughs) Yeah, and the internet as well. Absolutely. There's a big love for it, which I don't think they were aware it had at all. So it reminded me a lot of, do you know, Troll 2? No, I'm not comparing this to I know Troll, but, Troll 2. Yeah, I've never it's it's nothing like it. Troll 2 at all, but <laughs> Troll 2, the the youngest character in it, the little boy in it, made a documentary about the film and the people involved in the film. And it kind of, it reminded me of that in its idea. I haven't actually seen that that documentary, but it reminded me of the idea of that. You know, mm. the, the, the child in it grew up and then made a documentary. But no, it was really good fun. And I've only seen the film once and I'm not a, you know, fan of it and and all that. It was good. I enjoyed it, but it was still fun to see the people involved and the people who, even those that aren't involved in it, that have a soft spot for it and have lots to say about it. So it was lovely. I I enjoyed it. It was a a really nice change from, from straightforward films.
2: I I plan to, and I kind of have to, because um, one of the things I was really gutted to miss uh, is on the Friday before, I think it's before the films kicked off. Uh, a friend of mine, Mitch, uh, has started a podcast called Strong Language and Violent Scenes. And I'm trying to think, they've been going that long—at least about eight months or something, six months. And him and his co-host Andy are pretty well connected, and they've had some amazing guests on their show. And they've really—they hit the ground running. They do two shows a week. Uh, had some really amazing guests Wow that's impressive yeah. I'm impressed with the
1: amazing guests, but the two two times a week that really impresses me yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah I think they're insane if you ask me but anyway yeah, <laughs> so they do the, the, the concept of their show is that basically their guest comes on and has to defend an indefensible movie. Okay. (laughs) Um, And then they do like a a mini-sode on a Monday where they just talk about what horror they've been watching and stuff like that, or what films they've been watching. Um, It's really good fun. I highly recommend it. And um, they basically did a live recording of their podcast on the Friday, and their special guest was Andre Gower. And obviously the guest picks the movie. He picks Starship Troopers. Oh, right. Okay. It's a really fun episode. Um, So... If you're looking for sort of pod content, I'd I'd definitely recommend it. It's their episode 26. Oh, right. Not knowing Monster Squad, not knowing Andre at all, having listened to him on their podcast, I'm like, I absolutely want to watch the movie, and I absolutely want to watch the documentary, because he is such a funny guy. Um, So I have every confidence in him and his sense of humor that that's going to be a really engaging documentary. So yeah, it's no yeah. for Me to say that's going on my watch list.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, from what I saw of him there, he came across really well. As is very friendly, very you know easy to get on with, and very funny. So I'd be very interested to see what he what he comes out with in that. So yeah. <laughs> Okay, next up, um, we have not so much a film or a documentary, but this time we've got a, a series, like a sitcom as such. And yes. they introduced this on stage, and halfway through the introduction, we had Bang, Bang, Bang on the Fire Doors, and in walk a couple of police officers telling us that they're out the back checking the the safety of the fire exits or something or other these are actually the two lead characters from the the show um it's a new zealand show it's a spin-off from the film what we do in the shadows which was at celluloid screams 2014 Teen maybe i can't remember off the top of my head but uh hopefully everyone has seen that because if you haven't seen that then why not see that what film it's, it's brilliant <laughs> don't tell me you've not seen that oh no i've seen it several times oh good good uh, good good, good. That film. very 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 funny um but yes these are just like two characters from there they are a pair of police officers in there and they're very funny and they decided that It'd be good to give them their own show, so they gave them a, a series of six episodes. I mm. think they were saying they'd just been commissioned for a second, a second season yep. of another thirteen, which includes a, yep. a Christmas special, which I thought was quite a funny idea. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's got these two characters, the police officers PCs O'Leary and Minogue, which I think are the actors' real surnames actually. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like uh, one of these fly on the wall sort of cops type shows mixed with the office it's that kind of thing you know (laughs) but but with horror elements in it um Mm. you know and you've got all different kinds of like um horror memes and things come up in it and different situations stuff is very very funny and Mm. I, i love that they did the the introduction and that in character, which was brilliant. Yes. And again, they were very <laughs> much like the, the chat before. They, they hung around over the whole of the weekend and you saw quite yeah. a lot of them and they were mixing with people and everything, which was great. And they did the Q&A with the producer as well, which was very, very funny. Mm. And um, I was interested to see that the woman playing O'Leary, she wasn't actually an actor, no, I think she worked. It. Yeah, it was, I was going to say it was something to working with children or something. It's nothing yeah. to do with acting. But someone knew her and knew that she was naturally just very funny, and so they mm. cast her. Yeah, and I, I don't know about the other chap Minogue, but I'm sure if he was a real policeman, I'd have no problems if he wanted to take down my particulars. <laughs> but. Um, they apparently been involved in other things. They've done like road safety films <laughs> in character. Yes, and police there. recruitment ones as well or something in character. Oh. So brilliant. It's so so brilliant. it was good. They they played all six of the episodes back to back. Um which I completely enjoyed. I really, really enjoyed them. And they're gonna be broadcast here in the UK. I don't know when, but at some point, and I just, I can't wait. I just want to rewatch them all. I want to get them on DVD. I want to watch them again and again. It's just, it's the same humor as what we, what we do in the shadows, exactly the same sort of Mm. humor. It's, if you like that, you will absolutely love these. Very, very funny.
2: Yeah, it's that that Kiwi understatedness, isn't
1: it? Oh, it's brilliant. I love that sort of... You just left that over there. Yeah, I know. Well, let's put it over there. (laughs)
2: It's (laughs) it's just this informal kind of...
1: Oh, it's um, lovely. And there's some really lovely um, little malapropisms and stuff like this. So they've got like... uh, They cover things like extraterrestrials and (laughs) um, stop-taking syndrome and stuff. (laughs) some really lovely little things like that. But yeah, and it's just a sort of... There's clearly something... Horrendous going on, or there's some sort of you know, some horror thing going on, and they're just kind of not quite getting it, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, but oh, just brilliant! A little bit behind the curve, aren't they? But oh, still. they're lovely, <laughs> really, really good. Well, you know, really well done characters and everything. i filming that, I would imagine it would just be so much edits and cut out stuff with people laughing. I would imagine, oh, yeah, there must be massive outtake reel from oh, each episode, I'm sure. And I really hope it will appear on the uh, the DVD,
2: <laughs> yes, that'd be good. <laughs> I mean, they, what I love is in their intro in character, they did mention this relish that everyone talked about in Sheffield.
1: and now, Oh, yes, Henderson's. Uh, my family's from Sheffield, so I grew up on Henderson's relish, so I love any Aww. reference to it. And, um, my friends in Sheffield always give me a bottle every year I come up, so uh, I'm very, very grateful. Every time um, it's Hesians and uh, Scuba Monkey always give me a bottle, so I'm very happy. I just wish it would last longer than it does. But that goes yeah. in everything when I cook things. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. It's like
1: multi. Yes.
2: Um, I, I actually buy it online in, in two litre bottles. Now I have oh, eight litres in the fridge, so I shaved on saved on shipping. And that's You've shaved on me. it. <laughs> Didn't that sting? Freudian slip. And that's <laughs> going to last me about three years when I ordered that. Oh. Um, but actually, we were walking down to the cinema and officers Monogan O'Leary walked past us. And um, I wasn't going to say anything, but my wife goes, hey, Wellington Cops. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> so they turned down and I went, oh, have you tried Henderson's yet? And I went, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so
2: they had a plan. They were going to check it out. Um, but I have to say, Officer O'Leary is a demon at the karaoke. Oh, really? I missed the karaoke. Yeah, the part she liked two numbers and, yeah, she did not disappoint. It was great fun.
1: Do you know, I can imagine that. I can really, really imagine that happening. And she had her backpack on the whole time. So she's oh, like God.
2: this, she's great fun and she's lively and everything, but she's a little bit nerdy at the same time, which I, I kind of
1: thought. <laughs> <love her. laughs> which is weird then, because the next film up is a completely different film. Yes. The next one is Assassination Nation. Mm-hmm. Now this was quite a heavy hitter really, is all I can say for this. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Um I mean the poster and the the way it begins. It lets you think you're going to be watching something completely different. I mean, I was expecting it to be something a bit like, I don't know, Mean Girls or or even like Tragedy Girls from a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, something like that. It's like Tragedy Girls Part 2. It really mm, did. Because mm. um, t- you've got like a, a, a group of attractive young women. They're constantly on social media. They're gossiping and they're trying to increase their popularity and stuff like this. But then it sort of moves on to a, a darker side to the social media. So you've got prominent figures then that that start getting exposed when their accounts get hacked. And mm. you start to see the effects on them and their families. And you can see how this kind of mob mentality can easily start. So even if the, the shocking truths are exposed, are actually... Fairly innocent things, really, that people mm. have misconstrued. Um, you know, they, they still get way over emotional about them and everything, and it goes to extreme levels, and it starts to directly affect the girls as more and more accounts are hacked, and uh, this mob mentality starts baying for blood, quite literally. And mm. I think the filmmaker in this is holding up like a holding up a mirror to the Trump's America, that kind of yeah. thing. So it's exposing like the hypocrisy, the, the invasion of privacy, and. Of homophobia, manipulation, humiliation, the sexual violence and slut-shaming and abuse of power and ignoring the facts and police officers, you know, being corrupt and inciting to violence and, and all these kinds of things. And there's even, at one point, there's a, an angry mob, in the you know, the audience becomes an angry mob, and they start shouting, lock him up, lock him up, at someone who's in power that gets accused of something wrongly. But mm. the crowd are so far gone by that, they really don't care. Yeah. And that even people's parents get affected to the point where one scene, someone is thrown out of the door by their parents. You know, it sort of affects people that much. Um, so it's quite a powerful film. It um, it was by far the most frightening of all the films, I think. Mm, it was. Because there weren't any fantasy monsters or ghosts or <laughs> unstoppable fictional psychos or anything. This is what we're actually seeing more of, and it's yeah. it's actually a possibility of being reality more so than like the Michael Myers and things like this. It it's very hard to watch, and um, I mean it even throws a, it throws a dilemma or two at the audience as well. It doesn't just tell you this. It's like um, if the only way for you to survive being killed by easily obtained guns and weapons and an angry mob, if the only way to survive is to use guns and weapons. Yourself, mm. does that make it right? Because that's kind of goes <laughs> the other way, you know? So it's not a film I'd want to watch again, I have to say, but it is very well done and it really should be seen by people. And yeah. I'm, I'm carefully avoiding spoiling the plot any more than I've said. Um, mm. So I'm not going to say any more about that. But this was another one of my top three films in the festival. And when it finished, when the credits rolled, there was a massive cheer from the audience with this <laughs> yeah. one. So, mm. what what are your thoughts on that one?
2: I, I completely agree with you. I, as far as important films go, this is the this and Tigers are the two most important films. Is one that people should see. Um, it's very clever the way it's set up because it says trigger warnings at the beginning, and then it gives you like the snapshot very high-energy octane clips of what you're going to see later in the movie with you're going to see racism, you're going to see homophobia, you're going to see, like, you know, all these different triggered warnings. Yes, yeah. And you think, oh, it's going to be kind of tragedy girlsy kind of glib. But by the time you're halfway through the movie, you're so uncomfortable.
1: None of it's fun. Um, you can see it happening. That's the thing. You can yeah. imagine it happening not that far away <laughs> into yeah, it's the just, future. This film is about the how horrible
2: human nature is mm. and how close to that sort of outbreak we kind what well, America kind of is, but you're absolutely right in the, it, it gets gun toaty at the end. And for, I think for British people were like, we don't have that access to guns. What would we do? It makes us really uncomfortable to be siding with the protagonists while they go around with guns. And you're like, yeah, but I kind of see why you did that because that's the environment you're in. Mm. What mm. choice do you have? Um, but the, the, there's the, there's a monologue at the end, right at the end. And mm. everyone needs to hear that monologue because it's about um, young girls growing up now with social media and the way things are. What the fuck are they supposed to do, basically, is what mm. it says. Mm. And it's not an answer. It just gives you a load of questions. And yeah. the questions everyone should be asking. And to say I was uncomfortable yet elated at the end of that film is a really weird combination of emotions
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, but definitely.
2: came from this is an important film i'm so glad you made it i'm so glad you're asking these questions and i'm so glad it gets to go out there but fuck me did you make me feel uncomfortable while i was yeah, watching
1: it yeah very i mean great as a film as a story and everything but you know you're watching and you're going oh my God, that's what it's almost like and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So very, very heavy going film. Like I said, mm. it's one that I don't know if I would revisit, mm. but I'm glad I watched it. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> Right, next up, a completely different kind of film um, mm. is the mystery film. Yes. Uh, you, probably, you probably couldn't get much more different at all with this one. This was You Might Be the Killer which i hadn't heard of before um they described it as it's kind of like a an homage to the slasher film which we've seen quite a lot of this year um mm. but i was quite willing to give it a go that okay that sounds like it might be my kind of thing let's see um i was a little bit confused at first because it says it's set in 1978 but the main characters uses a mobile phone to call his friend for advice. Oh, I okay. yeah, I thought it said somewhere it started. It was set in 1978, so I was a bit confused by that. But anyway, um, you've got a guy who is calling his friend, who is played by the actress who was Willow in Buffy, and she was in yeah. How I Met Your Mother as well. And she's a sort of oh, a so. horror movie fan, horror movie geek, and she works in a in a shop called Rings of Saturn. Where I mm-hmm. think they sell books and things. I don't know, but she sells something in there. But anyway. Kind of like a comic sort of. Sell, yeah, that, it's like a sort of a comic book, but I think they sell more than that in there. But yeah. anyway, the, the main character himself, he, we see him when he's running, trying to escape from a masked psycho killer who is mm-hmm. murdering counselors at, at a summer camp, uh, in all sorts of different gruesome ways. So it's all sounding very familiar in that sense. And, This guy's phoning his friend for advice on what to do next to survive, because she obviously knows a lot about these sort of things. As the plot kind of unfolds, he starts to realise that things might not be quite how they seem. So Mm. that's as far as I'll go with the synopsis. Mm. It treats the slasher film in a kind of a knowing comic way. It's a bit like Scream did back in the 90s. Hmm. So it starts off with all the usual tropes. You've got a masked killer, you've got the creative kills, you've got... I mean, there's even a scene with the lead counsellor telling a scary story to the others around a a fire um, that ends up with a big prank jump scare at the end, which was done in The Burning and Friday the 13th Part 2. So we know what to expect in that sense. But it's very knowing. The only thing is, for me, this sort of meta self-aware comedy slasher thing is a bit old hat now i mean scream and its sequels did it well um and i loved the final girls that was a variation on it that was good but this didn't seem to bring enough new to me i mean Mm -hmm. there's a novelty part to it You, you sort of seeing things from an unusual viewpoint but is that enough i i don't know um I, I thought it was okay. I was entertained and it's a one-off watch with a bag of popcorn. But otherwise, I, I thought it was okay. It wasn't anything that special. What, what did you think? Well, look, it was midnight and I didn't fall asleep.
2: So that's a big plus as far yeah. as it goes. But like you say, nothing original. Um, there was nothing standout about this movie for me, unfortunately. So it was no. just it's not terrible, but it's very middle of the road. Yeah. So it's, it's not much to write home about. Um, your main character is the guy who plays the stoner in Cabin in the Woods. Took me a while to place him.
1: Oh, right. I didn't recognize him. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Um, and obviously, Alison Hannigan just spends the whole film on the phone. Yes. So, yes. In it. <laughs> and she's her, which is great, but there's no interaction beyond that. So. Given that it was the secret film and we were hoping it would be Suspiria, then we were told, no, we have a special screening of that coming up. (laughs) Like a a week's time or so. We're like, oh, okay, fine. It's not that then. Yeah. So then
1: there's rumblings of, oh, is it Overlord? Because Overlord's coming out soon. That would be amazing. And they're like,
2: is this? And we're like, oh, okay. I'd heard
1: rumours it was going to be something called The Witch and the Window. Well, that's on um, Shudder. (laughs) Is it? Oh, perhaps it was that one, but I don't know. That was, I'd heard a rumour about that. I hadn't heard of that. So, okay. (laughs) I was just going like, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. You know, I'll see, whatever. But yeah, I was, it started off being very promising. I I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm up for this. You know, I love slasher films, but it was like, oh, I've kind of seen this before lots of times and done better. It's, you know, it wasn't terrible. There were bits that were okay that I liked, but it's, it's one of those, like, if it's on the telly, watch it. <laughs> if it's on yeah, the horror channel, watch it, you know. Yeah, It will go to the OD, it will
2: go away without any kind of, you
1: know. So that was the end of the Saturday and we're on to the Sunday. Now, what happened for me on the Sunday was I'd struggled so much the day before with sleep and having missed the, possibly the best film of the whole weekend, mm. I thought If I have five hours sleep again and I go in, I'm going to spend the whole day napping through each film and missing bits of it. Or if I sacrifice one film, maybe the first film, I'll be awake through the rest of them. So I decided... I'll miss the first film and I'll watch the rest of them. I arrive mm. to find people going, oh, that was really good. That was really, I think, what is it with these films that I pick? <laughs> so I have no idea what you think about this one, but I didn't see any of it because I was in bed. So um, um, I'm relying on you to, to tell me what it was about.
2: Life changer is basically about a, uh, what you call a shapeshifter, um, Someone who has to assume someone else's form to keep surviving. And it's a really interesting take on it. Um, It's quite emotional and it has this tie back to one person. Um, It's one of those films where if I say too much, it might spoil. I mean, it's not, it won't blow you away, but I've seen much worse movies and it's very competently handled. Um, It's pretty well paced. It keeps your interest. And it does sort of tug at the heartstrings a fair bit. It's got a slightly weird resolution towards the end, but it's kind of like, well, I don't know what else you'd have done with it. So it's it's pretty good. So, yeah, I don't know really what I can say about it, other than if you see it pop up on a streaming service, definitely give it the time of day because it's well worth it.
1: So having got over the disappointment that it's not going to blow me away in any way, um, Mm. is it it one it's worth me tracking down? I, I don't know about tracking down. It's more if you happen across it. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's that
2: sort of level. Um, because I think when you're at a festival, you're in a cinema and you're, being, you're there, you have to watch it because it's there. Hmm. Um, it's possibly if I'd clicked on it on a scre- streaming service, I might not have kept with it because it's a fairly low pace like, sort of a film. You, you've got to invest in it. But hmm. I mean, it, it's well handled and it's interesting enough and it's different enough to make you go, oh, okay, well, I'm um, I'm in for this, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was my take on it anyway. Okay, I would probably rush out and see the other one, the Tigers one. This mm. one, I'll see if it comes up sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Priority-wise, that's the way you should yeah. be. Yeah, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds fair enough to me. Mm. So the next film is one called Possum. And yes. this had the most intriguing poster of all of them. I looked at that poster and uh, wow, (laughs) as an arachnophobe, seeing that grimy poster with what looks like a a bag on a bed with these huge spider legs coming out of it made Hmm. me wonder, should I see this or not? But uh, yeah, I was intrigued. I was intrigued. Now, before I say anything about the film itself, it was written and directed by, surprisingly, by Matthew Holness. Do you have any idea who Matthew Holness is?
2: I know the name, but I can't place it for
1: some reason. Ah, well, let me give you a clue. If I say, I'm Garth Marenghi, does that bring anything to mind? Hmm. it
2: does, but I never watched that either, but I do know
1: who that is. <laughs> <coughs> they fell off my chair then. And, uh, I know. Yeah, the Garth well. Marenghi's <laughs> Dark Place. He hmm. was the main character in that, Garth Marenghi. <laughs> Which is slightly misleading because that, that that show is a kind of a spoof on the sort of, I don't know what you'd describe it as sort of horror sci-fi dramas that you'd get on television in the 80s. It's the spoof on those sort of things. Mm. This is absolutely nothing like that. There's not a comedy moment in this at all. It's very, very different. Mm. The setup is there's a, a puppeteer the main character, who goes back to his stepfather's house with his incredibly creepy puppet called Possum, which he keeps in a leather bag, which sort of initially reminded me of basket case and we get voiceover poem several times through this um describes possum as black as sin and we've also got another thing happening where there's a mystery teenage boys are going missing including one that this guy tries to speak to on a bus so that's the sort of setting of this um There is a story he mentions at one point about a fox, and the fox he'd assumed, it was a long time ago, he'd assumed the fox had been killed, and then suddenly it got up and looked around. So it was playing possum, which is where the name of it comes from, which kind of gave it an extra creepiness to me, because I would assumed possum, it was named after some kind of fluffy animal or something, but uh, no, it's an absolutely terrifying puppet. It's got these long spidery legs, and it's got a very creepy white head with eyes and... I think it's probably a symbol of um, the the character's horrible past because he tries to destroy it several times, but it seems to come back. And at one point, this his stepfather says he's going to be making his own puppet. And there's, there's quite a few disturbing reveals along the way. It's quite unsettling film to watch. But um, we may disagree on this one, but I've got to admit... I really liked it. <laughs> it's one of those okay. I I really want to see again because I think there's a lot of imagery and and metaphors and things in this that I would really love to try and unpick on a second watch. I mean, it's got an atmosphere that uh, you could almost smell it, it's, you know, the house is so decaying and mouldy and and old-fashioned and it's horrible and the the stepfather's creepy. And the the score is done by the Radiophonic Workshop, which I was quite impressed with. Um, Mm. And it's another film where they use silence a lot. To, to create yeah. atmosphere. A lot of people struggle with it because it's a very slow burn. It's very slow. For me, I th- I can see that. I think it was about the sort of level where if it had been any longer, I might have struggled with it more, but I was fine with it. I, I think I was sort of mesmerised by it. I think it was creepy enough to keep me interested and grimy and grubby enough as well. And there was stuff going on under the surface that I really wanted to try and work out, but couldn't do on first viewing. So mm. I suspect you're going to say that you didn't feel that with it. So I'm interested to know what you thought.
2: I didn't make it to the end of it. Um, oh, which dear. is very unusual for me. Uh, I had to, my good lady to consider as well. And, uh, we had, we had rungly tummies, basically. And I give any film a fair crack at a whip, but what I cannot stand is when I find something to become over-repetitive and the reuse of the poem, the reuse of, well, who's trying to get rid of it, then it comes back. You're trying to get rid of it. Like, like When things are really repetitive like that and slow, I, I just have a tolerance level I can't go beyond. <laughs> and I'm sure stuff was going to kick off, and I'm sure something was going to happen, but after an hour in, I, I mean, it was at least an hour in before we decided to bail, Um, And again, it was that whole need a slightly longer break between films, need to get something to eat.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: The other thing is, it's a very, uh, I struggle with British productions anyway. Like I grew up on a council estate in Great Britain, right? So it was kind of grim. So any film, soap opera, anything like that, that reminds me of how shitty some parts of the UK are. (laughs) And I'm sure you can say that if you're from any country. Yeah. If it reminds you of something that you'd sort of rather not go back to. It just gives you this grubby. I need a wash. I've had enough of this. So like the back garden, the disgustingness of the house that they're in, and it was kind of all just a bit too familiar. And I'm like, Ugh. so unfortunately for British filmmakers, if you set your film in a shitty house in Britain, you've immediately got two black marks in the book again. You know, against it as far <laughs> as I'm
0: concerned.
2: I don't want to be watching that. And there was just no levity. There was no. There was nothing to pull you out of that. And it was just relentlessly trudging and bleak and i just wasn't in the right place for it now when it drops on i'm it come to shutter or something like that i'm gonna watch the last half of that movie i will
1: yeah and yeah you know
2: i might eat some humble pie at that point but for the festival for the time slot for the pace of the movie i was just like i've had enough now
1: yeah yeah
2: we we, we could have left sooner but i wanted to give it a fair chance and it still hadn't grabbed my interest by that point. So I'm like, I'm, I'm checking out. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean, I, I can see it It was very slow. And yeah, there's a lot of things that are repeated. and You know, I can see that. I, I understand how you and other people have felt that. I, at the end of the, the festival, they were auctioning off posters and things like this. And I noticed that when they put that poster up, nobody wanted it. and <laughs> So I get the feeling that a lot of people didn't really like it. I mean, I did... Uh, But I, like I said, I can see how it wouldn't, it wouldn't work with other people quite easily. You know, I can see that. So that's fair enough, you know, (laughs) but I would, I would love to watch it again. Like I said, to try and work out a bit more of it and, you know, Mm. try and figure it out. It looks like that sort of film where you have to really think about it. But uh, yeah. Yeah. But not to worry, because the film after that was much more lighter and much more interesting. The film after mm. that was summer of 84. It starts off with like a voiceover and they say a quote, which is, even serial killers live next door to somebody. So this film, I think, is easiest to compare it to. Um, if you imagine the Burbs or Fright Night, but starring the Goonies and filmed in the 80s. <laughs> it's a sort of a mixture of those different things. And it sort of takes the the idea of in suburbia, do we really know what's going on behind closed doors? And are people really who we think they are? So it doesn't really offer anything new or original. But I would say that what it does, it does really well. And I, I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It, it, the kids in it are i like that they're all in sort of awkward stage of puberty mm-hmm. <laughs> the hormones are flaring up and they've discovered things like porno mags and they spy on the hot girl getting changed in the bedroom window next door and stuff like that um you know which which don't think really happened in things like the goonies and monster squad and stuff um mm-hmm. there's a serial killer going around killing teenage boys around the same age as them and one of the boys thinks the murderer might be their neighbor who also happens to be a local cop. And of course, none of the parents believe them. And even the cop himself laughs it off as kids getting bored during the school holidays. Yeah. And that's really as far as you can really go with the plot without giving anything away. Um, mm. I I really like the direction the plot goes. I will say that. And I love the way that the mystery unfolds until there's a kind of surprisingly grim ending. <laughs> but, I I really enjoyed the journey. Yes, it's you know it's been done before, but it's it's a really good trip. You know, it's a really good journey to go on. I love this. What did you think?
2: Uh, again, this is my second viewing of this film. Uh, it was one of my top picks from Fright Fest this year, and I think the reason being it's done by the makers of Turbo Kid, which I absolutely adore.
1: Yeah, and yeah.
2: I feel kind of sorry for them because this apparently was in concept before Stranger Things came along. It's just taken a really long time to realise people do compare it all the time to Stranger Things because the banter between the lads is very similar, if a bit more blue in this film.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was fine because I'd not seen Stranger Things, so it didn't affect me personally in that way. I just went along yeah. with
2: it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you say that the a point in this movie, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's all right. But then when it takes this dark turn at the end, I'm like, oh, that was perfect. Yes. It's perfect. You pulled it out of the fire, well done. Like you say, there's not much we can say about it, but it's it's a really strong movie. Yes.
1: Moving swiftly on, because we're in the last few of them now, um, the next up is the Puppet Master film, Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Um, <laughs> so we've got the infamous puppets. Um, the puppets themselves have become very collectible. So people who have got them are going to a convention for the 30th anniversary of the original Toulon murders, and there's going to be an auction there to sell them. But an evil force brings the puppets to life so Mm -hmm. this was a lot more fun than i expected i had (laughs) been a fellow podcaster chris ward had had recommended it to me and said it was one of his favorites and uh, uh yeah it is very dark the humor in this is very dark might not be to everyone's taste but i found it really funny um There's a a very comic book feel to the whole thing. You know, they use the colours again, you know, the recurring theme, the colours. They had comic book titles, they, they Dutch angles going on, and there's all this sort of comic book thing. But there's a lot more gore than you'd expect, considering the killers are little puppets. It's very Corey. Yeah. I mean, even if they are Nazi puppets, it's, it's still quite, you know, quite surprising. And they don't shy away from things like killing children or even um, uh, unborn babies and things. The other thing I thought was quite a nice touch was the convention itself features a guided tour of the mansion, Toulon Mansion, which is led by um, an ex-officer, Carol Doresky, who is actually Scream Queen Barbara Crampton, which I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah. yeah. And um, you've got the, the main theme, the, sort of like a waltz, the main theme. It was done by Fabio Fritzi, who was also behind Zombie Flesh Eater's score and, well, most of Fulci's horror movie scores, I think. So, yeah, I like this a lot. This was very silly, very, uh, very funny, very bloody. Um, this is sort of like a just a popcorn film, really. What did, what did you think of this? Uh, yeah it's I, I going back years the 90s Whatever, i
2: i actually had all the first three original movies on vhs i believe so 90. i was a puppet master franchise fan um so i was quite keen to see this one i didn't watch it Cell celluloid because again i saw it at fright fest and um i didn't think it was a two watch <laughs> sort of a movie oh, but i hadn't I... seen it once it was a hell of a lot of fun uh it did make me giggle i like the new robots and yeah, it, it did win sickest kill of the year. Um, yes, yes, yes. Um, but it, it's done in a way that it kind of gets away with it. Um, I mean, it's not amazing, but if you know the Puppet Master movies, you know exactly what you're going to get. Oh, yeah. And you just get more of what you love with a slight update, really. So I, I was quite happy with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed it. Anyway, I thought it was just a good, fun film. Really, not much more to say, to be honest. <laughs> no, not really. No, mm. I mean, on to the penultimate film. Um, this was, again, a, a change in style again. This one was cam, mm. as in webcam, uh, that kind of thing. And it's about a young woman who has one of these kind of erotic webcam shows online where people interact with her online and she does things on camera and they give her um, tips and then, you know, she reacts and so on and so on. And she seems to be very obsessed with getting her rating up. Mm. I mean, I'm sure her audience is quite keen about getting their ratings up or, or something anyway, but uh, <laughs> she, she's there scantily clad in a very pink room. Um, she even goes as far as doing some quite sick stunts. So mm. like, for example, towards the beginning, she, she fakes a very dramatic suicide live on cam. Um, so, you know, it's all about the ratings. She, there's a rival woman doing the same sort of thing who starts to gain ratings at her expense. So she starts to sort of take action, do things, starting with, she decides to ride a vibratron which I've never heard of, but wow. Okay. Um, with a friend there to try and boost her stats. And then, but then things get a bit weird because um, I won't go much further into the plot, but she discovers that she's, she tries to log in and she discovers she's already online, even though she's there, you know, mm. and she sees herself. She assumes it's an old video that someone's putting out and she tries to interact with it. But the video, responds you know so it's clearly not so it goes into like a very dark mystery then and Mm. it looks at the power of the internet and social media and identity theft and it has some quite interesting twists and turns and it sort of unfolds and i I was completely gripped to this i was fascinated by how on earth is this happening and stuff and Mm. and it also covers a bit of the the effects of doing this kind of thing for for money, how that affects her when it's finally revealed to her family and the backlash from other people and and stuff like that. So it was a very interesting thing that went into some dark places, but it kept me completely fascinated through this. I, I enjoyed this as a sort of a mystery. What did you make of this? Yeah, um, it's, it's
2: one of the things where you say, well, I, you know, if I have any familiarity with subject matter, it's completely coincidental.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't so, even gonna ask. I was scared to. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: how much you know of the cab world? I don't know. But this I believe this this token giving system is a thing. And um it, it seems pretty well represented. And it's not too I mean it was pitched to us as being very um not safe, but not as lascivious as it could be. Um I think some people saw a different side of that um, in, the, you know, his titillation value and things like that. And it was, yeah. it was trying to make an important point. I thought it was pretty well handled. Like you say, it kept me gripped. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? And you just didn't understand how what was happening was happening. I'm not sure the resolution of why it was happening was satisfying enough. Excuse the pun. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> it, it, it was certainly entertaining. And yeah, I think that's kind of the whole point of the movie and i think they did a pretty good job yeah, interesting i yeah. saw her recently the the lead actress she was in a film called braid which played this year as well which didn't go down as well and i would say between this and braid this is the better movie um certainly
1: oh right okay well worth
2: i, I would say it's well worth checking out
1: yeah yeah
2: this is something different you know yeah, yeah
1: and then we're down to the final film and this one, you were trying to get me to try and say the title of it without actually reading it. Yeah, no and notes. no allowed notes. <laughs> I can get as far as saying seven stages, and that is it, as far as I can go, because it's... Oh, God. It is officially called Seven Stages to Achieve Eternal Bliss by Passing Through the Gateway Chosen by the Holy Storsh. So I had to look at my <laughs> notes for that. <laughs> It's a, a dark comedy. Um, it's it's a young couple who've moved into a surprisingly cheap apartment they found. I think it's in LA or something. Um, and the reason it's cheap is because they keep finding members of a suicide cult trying to sort of ritualistically finish themselves off in the flat's bathtub. It, it, yeah, so it's definitely quite dark. The lead role is um, Kate Micucci, who she's one half of Garfunkel and Oates comedy duo. She's popped who up I, in. Or, yes. <laughs> you know those, do you? I do, absolutely. Oh, okay. Okay, that's good. She's she's also popped up in sitcoms. She played um, in the Big Bang Theory. She was Raj's girlfriend for a while. She also does the voice of Velma in a lot of Scooby Doo cartoons, I found out. And thinking okay, she, about it, I can imagine that. I can mm, see that. Yeah. The, she has a lazy boyfriend who lives with her who's played by Sam Huntington. And from what I can gather, I didn't know who he was. I didn't recognise him apart from possibly in my dreams, maybe. I don't know. But um, <laughs> but he, I think, played the werewolf character in the US version of being human. So I think he's probably much more better known over there. I
2: know him from something different, but I can't place what it is. So it's one of those situations.
1: Yeah, yeah. And... Um, the leader of the cult himself, Storch, who's played by Taika Watiti, who yeah. is, of course, uh, what we do in the shadows uh, from that. And he is very, very good. And he's just one of these people that makes me laugh just by a little glance of his eye or raised eyebrow or something. He's just... Yes. And there's, there's a few weird cameos as well, because there's even, like, the guy from the Greasy Strangler is in there and stuff. There's some very weird yes. characters. Um, the, the little phrase that keeps popping up in it is, do you yield... So there you go, Boz. Do you yield? I don't know what that means. No, neither do I. I was ho- asking <laughs> you in the hope that you'd give me a clue because I haven't any idea, but that keeps coming up, just as people sort of um, go through the ceremony and then finish themselves off in the bath. But yeah. um, things don't <laughs> things don't go quite to plan, obviously. Um, and no. sometimes the deaths don't actually get to the bathtub before they happen. And, um, and they get more and more bizarre each time. So you've got the same detective coming back and he says, I think at one point he says, uh, she stabbed herself in the back. This is the sloppiest tub death I've ever seen. <coughs>
2: The the detective is played by Mark Maron. So.
1: <laughs> oh, he's good. great, the detective. I love that he's he's a detective for this crime and he's very jaded because it's been going on and, you know, a lot of the people have been yeah. in the flat and in the apartment and whatever. But at the same time, he's also trying to write a film script for Wesley Snipes. Yes. I think this is great. <laughs> and he's convinced that, um, that Kate Micucci's character can sort it out for him. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> and we've also got another character that comes up into it, who's a, a, a youngish woman who's married to a rich and very old and very dodgery looking man. Mm. And uh, she's trying to improve her image and become a political candidate. Yes. Yeah, so that's all going on in the background as well. She's played by Rhea Seahorn,
2: who plays Kim Wexler in Better Call Saul. So I, ah. I love her from that. So it's very really nice to see her in a... Oh, in a right. Show. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's one of those TV series I never saw any of. So, uh, okay. But yeah, there's, so there's an interesting little group of people that have all these sort of different things about them. Mm. Um, but I like that the couple actually start to have a look at this book about the cults, and they start finding that if they practice the teaching things seem to be going better for them and stuff so uh, <laughs> yeah so I mean that's as far as the story goes but it, it's got some really good comedy moments in it yes. despite its dark dark nature mm-hmm. it's very funny I love the main characters in it that we've mentioned I think they're all really good characters really good comedy performances um, we, do, we do get uh, some imagery of a bird pops up and we do get some primary coloured lights again you know <laughs> (laughs) wouldn't be this set of films without that somewhere in it but Mm. um this was um this was the third of my three favorites of the films which is surprising because it's right at the end and I was completely knackered after all (laughs) this whole weekend and not much sleep or whatever um but the final film and I really loved it I thought it was a really good one and another one I can't wait to watch again (laughs) it was it was fun Comedy can be so hit and miss, but I thought this worked really well, especially mm. as the people in it are kind of, they're not really big names. They, they, you know them if you, if you know them, if you know what I mean. You know, they're not massive names.
2: Yeah, I mean, you sort of know they all know each other. It's one of
1: those. Yes they come through the window, you're like, oh, it's him, oh, it's her. Yeah, so so that was the uh, seven, I think we've done 17 uh, films from the festival. (laughs) Um, We have some trends that seem to be coming up. So we've got several films that use silence instead of music to build tension. That mm. was one. We get the, the colour filters and gels, especially in Bloody Mandy, which was all colour filters and gels. But that was a <laughs> recurring theme. And then there's the animal imagery, which came up quite a lot. So whether it was black birds or crows, or there's tigers or there was bears, that seemed to come up a lot in there as yeah. well. So <laughs> yeah. things that seem to be sort of recurring in the films. But overall, I thought it was a really good uh, list of films. I think out of the the 15 that I saw... There were 10 that I'd be very happy to watch again and, you know, mm. I, I really enjoyed. And narrowing it down to a top three was really, really hard. Mm. So did you come up with a, a best film or a best three? I came up with a top three for
2: you, mm-hmm. um, but it is a with a proviso of I haven't seen Halloween yet. So that has the opportunity to unseat at least one of those.
1: Okay. So
2: go on. <laughs> I would say my number three is Assassination Nation. Yes, yes. Uh, just important, accomplished, and I, I just think it has to be seen. Uh, number two, although not a film, uh, Wellington Paranormal stole my heart. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, and to get the whole season was a real bonus. Um, so fantastic work, Celluloid Screams, for getting that. And I just Tigers Are Not Afraid It's just unassailable. If it's on the list, it has to be number one. There's, nothing's that good, sadly. Yeah. So, yeah. Plus, great for Issa, but yeah, I've not seen anything to top it all year.
1: No. Um, mm-hmm. So my top three, I have the same third as you, which is the okay. Assassination Nation. Again, one I wouldn't necessarily want to watch again, but one I thought was a really good film. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I'm trying to remember now, I've said them moment bit ago. Um, my second film, I think, would be the Halloween one. Yeah. really like that has its flaws but not not enough to put me off it's still there mm-hmm. second place my first one now the, it was a difficult one because it was out of two but the only reason I went with this one is because the one isn't really a film my first one would be the final film which is the uh, seven stages one um, okay. that was my favorite one it was I was torn between that and and The Wellington Paranormal. Both both comedies, um, both absolutely exceptional. But I thought, really, I should only pick one comedy one. And as this wow. one was a film rather than a series, I went with this one. But I liked both of them very, very much. Mm-hmm. But honestly, there were a lot of close, close sort of next to those ones. You know, fourth place could be any one of about six or seven films you know yeah really good selection this year it was so, fantastic lineup yeah
2: yeah have themselves year on year i think
1: oh yeah absolutely they had a really good one last year it just seems to get better and better so mm. you know well done them brilliant stuff yeah. so thank you ever so much for talking to me about these films um I've really appreciate and it was lovely to see you there if people want to find out more about you or find you online or your podcast where can they do that
2: best place uh podcast wise would be simply syndicated.com uh we do the little pod of horrors which uh has an embarrassingly spacious release schedule um
1: believe me i'm not going to judge you on that <laughs>
2: <laughs> um you know we're there we, we do stuff but it's not weekly so just be aware but it's fun it's worth checking out so please do um i also had the, the great privilege of podcasting with court psyops from the cinema psyops podcast
1: oh yes yes love which, those guys um, yes
2: yeah, which versus doomsday clock, uh, we do a show called obsessive cinema discourse.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Where
2: we pick older films and we sort of pick them apart in a fun, nerdy kind of OCD kind of way, but without being too precious about things. Um. And again, we do maybe a show every two months.
1: Uh, so <laughs> the timing schedules are so difficult. Um, you're forgiven with that one as well, because the witch has one of the best accents to listen to. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm just just get him to, to read any old stuff out. I'll be happy to listen. It's <laughs>
2: <He's> fantastic. <laughs> Unfortunately, he lives in the shittiest time zone possible. So yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, you're one in England, one in the Appalachia, and one in Australia. That makes mm. it as hell. Um, and then well, what I'm doing more recently, which I'm really enjoying, I'm recording later today. I used to do a show called Simply Syndicated Movie News. Uh, that has actually now morphed into uh, Simply Syndicated's movie quiz show. Oh, uh, so I do a
1: quiz. I don't know anything about this. So this is news to me. So tell me more.
2: Uh, it's great fun. Basically hosted by the network manager and setter opera I don't know what the official word is for that, uh, Richard Smith. He plays Quizmaster. We do about four rounds. There's me. Normally, it's me, my friend Rick from Miami and, and Jen. And Jen is the she's the unassailable uh, movie nerd supreme. Uh, any week we manage to beat her, then it's much, jo- much rejoicing. Uh, we do several rounds. They they differ from week to week. The one that's always there is where Rich plays us theme tunes on a very terrible fisher price type battery powered keyboard <laughs> we have to play sort of name that tune with I a like bad awesome overbeat in the background so if
1: that sounds like your kind of thing that sounds very very good yeah i like that idea <laughs> it's so much
2: fun. And, and basically because i am basically the dunce in the room i haven't seen enough movies and i retain no information when i have watched them um so i will normally just default to the dumbass comedy answer just to try and <laughs> it as possible for that that's my role in it all i think <laughs>
1: <laughs> excellent right well okay well again thanks ever so much and um, i really appreciate you giving your time up to talk about this especially after you've gone through all of that whole weekend and you had to talk to me through it as well so i mean you know hats off for you for going that again for a couple hey, of hours a High point
2: to the festival, sir, <laughs> oh, so. oh
1: you're good you're good <laughs> likewise of course i shall look forward to speaking to you sometime soon and almost certainly seeing you next year anyway Yes,
2: <laughs>
0: my pleasure. Thanks, sir. The Trilogy of Terror podcast.
1: Well, that's all for this episode. My thanks again to Boz for joining me, to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for the music, the show must be go, to Strange and Deadly for giving this podcast a home. And most of all, thank you. Yes, you, for listening. I'll be back soon to look at a horror director and three of his movies. But till then, take care. Bye. You can follow me on Twitter at IamGoreBlimey or visit the Trilogy of Terror podcast Facebook page. For other social media links, go to TrilogyofTerrorPodcast.com where you'll find them all along with old and new episodes.